Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast. This is Ben. And this is Spencer. And we are back. Numbers is done and we're into Deuteronomy. I was just check I was checking your memory. I was like, I'm not sure if you know where we're at. Oh, we're um, in the Bible. Yeah. If you've been with us the last 34 episodes, you know that we've been in Torah and we are actually into the last book of Torah. That's exciting. Uh, Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. Deuteronomy is a wonderful book. We're going to be talking about that for the next eight or nine episodes. You've been almost as excited about this one as I was about Leviticus, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which by the way, there's been a lot of people who really liked Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, So today we're going to be chapters one through four. We're going to give a little bit of overview, but I would encourage you pause this podcast, go read up, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can come back. We'll be right here, ugly faces and all. And also in the show notes, we're going to put uh, like a link to the Bible Project. He does an yep. overview episode of Deuteronomy. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. just grab a couple of things from that video and talk about them in this in this uh, episode. So it's a, it's a really good uh, study of Torah. All right, so just a quick reminder of where we've been. So there's Genesis, mm-hmm. origin of the world, origin of God's people, origin of how they get to where they're going to be, right? Yeah. Then they end up in slavery, and we're in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we get the, uh, obviously, the Exodus out of Egypt. Yes. Um, I wonder if that's why the book's named that. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. So you get Israel being freed from slavery, from bondage, and then the starting of their wanderings in the desert. Correct. Yeah. And they, they don't, and in their wanderings, they do some things well. Yep. They do a lot of things not very well. Yep. Um, and so there's a little bit of back and forth. There's a lot of tension. And then towards the tail end, you start to get into uh, some of the laws that are getting written down. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So they, they end up at Sinai, and that's mm-hmm. that's largely where the book of Exodus comes to a conclusion. Uh, the book of Leviticus, obviously, is not written in a specific time. Mm-hmm. And then we just got done going through numbers. To your point, there's some really good highs and there's some really low lows in that book. Yep. So some really extremely, um, you know, like they were following the cloud day by day. They they did what the Lord said. They did what the Lord said. Moses and Aaron fell face down before the Lord. And then there's other stories about striking the rock mm-hmm. and about complaining about quail and of complaining about the food and complaining about the leadership and wanting to go back to Egypt and wanting to go into the land. And then, oops, never mind, we don't want to go into the land because there's giants there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, there's good and bad in these stories. And I think it's yeah. important for us to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in Numbers 2, uh, if, you're, if you're listening and you're like, man, I'm not sure God can use me because of how messed I up I am. Read the book of Numbers. Just go read the book yeah. of Numbers. You'll see that Israel is messed up. They messed up a lot too. And God still worked through them. I do love that God doesn't editorialize his book. Mm-hmm. Like we get to see real people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So the book of Deuteronomy, we were talking about this. It's different. And we're going to talk about why it's a little bit different. First, we're going to give you an overall structure of the book. So uh, Deuteronomy is largely speeches that Moses is giving to the next generation. Now remember, in the book of Numbers, they decided not to go into the land. So one generation is not going to go in except for Caleb and Joshua. Mm-hmm. 
And so Moses is giving his instructions to the next generation. It actually comes from a Hebrew word meaning a second law. Now, that doesn't mean it's a different law. It means it's a second giving of the law. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because this is a new generation. And it's a ser- series of speeches from Moses on how the next generation explaining to them what has come before and what pitfalls to avoid because there's a lot mm-hmm. moving forward. And up and there's a change that's happened too mm-hmm. at this point. At this point, you and you'll see it towards the tail end of Deuteronomy as well, but Joshua is taking over leadership. Correct. Moses is passing the baton. And up until this point, whenever Israel had a complaint against God, they went to Moses and Moses pleaded on Israel's behalf. Yeah. They're not going to have that anymore. Right. Right. So they're gonna they're learning something new. And all, all this book is going to be told from Moses's perspective. And we're going to stress why that's important kind of as we go through the episode. So at the very center of this book is a section of laws, and it's a terms of the covenant with God in Israel. That's found in chapters 13 through 26. Mm -hmm. Outside of this middle section, there's two very large sections where Moses is going to be talking. Those are in chapters 1 through 11 and 27 through 34, and these are speeches from Moses. So when we're taking a look at the text, let's just kind of run through it, and uh, you and I will kind of just rapid fire these Mm -hmm. back and forth. So in chapters 1 through 3, Moses is retelling the story so far, like where have they come from and where are they going? And then when you get to chapters 4 through 11, Moses calls Israel into a covenant of faithfulness. Yeah, which actually is what going to be the topic for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, then in chapters 12 through 16, they start talking about Israel's worship. I believe that uh, Pastor Sarah Harney is going to join us on that one. She is. Yeah. And then uh, in 16 through 18, we're going to hear about Israel's leadership. Mm-hmm. So in 19 through 26, uh, there are a few things to mention here and uh, revolving around civil laws and living at peace. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of those, that, that central section of laws. And one of the things that I actually took directly from the Deuteronomy video that I think is helpful in case you don't watch that, that Tim Mackey has to say about this. Uh, first is this, that the laws are the terms of a Sinai covenant given to ancient Israel to a culture that is very different from ours. Mm -hmm. Like that's the number one thing we have to do. And then we talked about that in Leviticus as well, Mm -hmm. but this is going to take place in Deuteronomy as well. So the second piece is it's not going to be helpful to compare their laws to the modern laws of a different culture, namely ours. Rather, um, these are given to set Israel apart so that they, we would need to compare them to their current neighbors. So uh, that would be like the Assyrians, the Babylonians. And then we see how these laws liberate and bring grace to a situation that's already there. Mm-hmm. I, I believe one of the statements he said is pushing laws to a higher level of morality and justice, which I really liked. Yeah. <clears throat> and then lastly here, he, he has, he says that you need to discern the core principle that underlines the law. Now that's a very familiar conversation with what we had in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. That's largely what we were doing through Leviticus yeah. is trying to say what was going on around them. Mm-hmm. What's the principle here? And what are they actually speaking into? Why does this law exist? Right. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that has made our podcast, like, we've had questions about is, like, why love in context? Well, because you can't just read the Bible and do what it says, because a lot of times we're assuming a lot of things when we do that. Mm-hmm. They're not, it wasn't written to Americans. It was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Mm-hmm. Understanding context is key, because when you get into different books of the Bible, too, you get into different literary styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, Psalms, for example, very different. Very different literary style for the most part. Right. Um, and if you were to like apply word for word some stuff from Psalms, that would and land you in prison. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, we're not going to dive into that too much today. Yeah, we might. We might have a, a couple episodes yeah. where we talk about like types of literature in the Bible. Yeah. 
Um, so, but even inside of Torah, like Genesis is not the same as Leviticus nope. and Leviticus is not the same as Deuteronomy. Nope. Like they're different kinds of books. They're written in different styles. Yeah. And so you need to know that going into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the tendency maybe where people is they're like, oh, but the Bible is inerrant. And I was like, yeah, that means it doesn't contradict itself, but it will absolutely contradict your interpretation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it will. And if you want a simple way to think of it, at least this is what's helped me is just think of the different literary styles in different books mm-hmm. today, right? You can read fiction, you can read science, mm-hmm. you can read poems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Bible, we have all these different books that are written in different styles. Right. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about more about that later. So continuing in uh, Deuteronomy, chapters 27 through 30, they deal with the warnings and the ultimatums regarding around obedience to God, right? Mm-hmm what's going to happen if you obey and more specifically what's going to happen if you disobey because they have a lot more experience with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then Deuteronomy ends with Moses's last words in his death. Right. Which he probably didn't write that. I mean, I feel like that's probably a safe assumption Yeah, that he probably didn't write that part. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that is the overall structure of Deuteronomy. And we wanted to bring that up right at the beginning because uh, we're going to be talking a lot and we want to remind ourselves what section of these conversations we're in, right? Um, Because there is an overall structure to this book, but it really centers on this covenant and this covenant faithfulness between Israel and God. Mm -hmm. Now, once again, uh, with it centering on that, you might be looking at some chiastic material, which we're not going to get into on the podcast, but there are some really great people who like just dive into that. Yeah. So now... If you haven't paused the podcast, now's the time to do so. Chapters yep. one through four. Yep. Read those. Read those. And then we're going to start talking through this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so one thing to note in uh, chapters one through three in particular is that Moses retells a few stories. Okay. Now, if you go find where those stories are in Numbers and Exodus, you might look at them and be like, hey, Numbers and Exodus uh, tells these stories different than Moses is telling these stories in Deuteronomy. Right. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier. But Moses's retelling of these stories can differ and does differ from Exodus and Numbers. Yeah. And, and I think I think the word differ is probably the right way to say it, because I think people say would say they contradict each other. And I was like, well, it depends on how you in, how you interpret it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Moses is telling it from his perspective mm-hmm. and what he saw. So this wasn't two sayings in the Bible where God said, where God said, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. This is Moses's interpretation of what actually happened in that moment. Yeah, so a number of episodes ago, I yeah. told a story about food. Yep. And my mom putting more food on the plate. Yep. My mom came back to me and was like, that did not happen. Yep. And I was like, that totally did happen. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually got down and figured out what story it was, I was like, oh, we had two different rememberings of the story. Oh, see, that's even more than you you brought up on your when your dad was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tara and I, when we first got married, uh, there was a, a lady by the name of Brenda who loaned us a car because uh, we were in the process of getting like a, a second car so that we could both go to work mm-hmm. at different times and like a bunch of different things because we lived on the opposite side of town from mm-hmm. where we worked, which is difficult uh, when you have to ride a bike to and from work every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually in better shape then, so it wasn't as hard, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was still difficult. And... Uh, Tara told me about that. And I'm like, I'm like, I believe you that we borrowed the car. I cannot for the life of me remember borrowing that car. Right. Like I have like these vague memories, but they merge with like this car that we already had. Yeah. Right. And uh, she's like, we borrowed it for like three months. And I was like, I believe you. I believe you that we did. 
Like there is, there is enough circumstantial evidence around this that I have belief in you. Plus, I just don't feel like she would make that up. Ben's now going to go get his brain checked, make sure his memory is not slipping. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been slipping for like 10 years because I, I still like, I, the thing is, I know that we, I like intellectually, I know that we did, mm-hmm. but I just like, it just, I don't know why it just mixed in with everything else. I probably just a lot of things going on. It was our first year of marriage, Yeah, you know? Uh, and I was working full time and like I was doing night shift and night shift was terrible for me. And then I switched careers, you know? So like, there's a lot of like different things going yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so my, one of my favorite first examples on this is actually, uh, taking a look at Deuteronomy one nine, where this is kind of like just a different perspective of what's going on. So I want to read this to you here. <clears throat> so this is, uh, they're coming into the land and they left Horeb. They're, they're out there and, uh, it says at this time I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he's promised. But how can I bear your problems and burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding, respected men from each of your tribes and I will set them over you. And you answered me. What you propose is good. Okay. Mm-hmm. That story is familiar? Uh, it does, except for Jethro was the one who said, hey, Moses, right. you can't bear these burdens. Yeah, in fact, we actually had Pastor Clint mm-hmm. on that episode. Yeah. We were talking about like the burden of leadership, yeah. right? And so it's interesting that Moses comes back and he's like, well, I realized that it was too much. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we said like technically like Moses probably in that conversation at some point did say that, mm-hmm. right? When he came and yeah. brought it to the people, he just left off the part about Jethro. Why did he leave off the part about Jethro? It could be that he just didn't think it was important for the next generation to hear about. Like Jethro is probably dead at that point. Yeah. You know, it's a different telling of this story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means it's from a certain perspective. And Moses could have said those things. Exactly. He could have been like, this is too much for me to bear after Jethro came to him. Yeah. We just don't have that written down. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's actually a very interesting concept and I might, I might get into it in this first couple episodes that of something that Rabbi David Foreman talked about about why Moses believes he's not going into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And it actually has to do with this thing where he says, you have become too heavy and I couldn't carry you. Yeah. So put a pin in that idea and then maybe we'll come back to it later. Yeah. So the uh, other place that I think is really interesting is uh, he says, we're going to take these people. And then they talk about sending the spies out, which by the way, um, coming up in a lot in this early part of Deuteronomy, I noticed this reading through and preparing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, it sounded good to me. This sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed good to me, which also drives me back to the book of Genesis. You know, this uh, one that it's, it, this, it was good, it was good, it was good. But also this idea of eating from the tree of the fruit of, uh, fruit of the tree of the good and evil. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a good idea. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't always end well for him. <clears throat> but in uh, Deuteronomy one thirty nine, they go and they're going up to uh, the spies go in and they, they say, yeah, the, the idea seemed good to me. I selected 12 of you. I sent them in. They came back and they said, it's a good land that the Lord is giving us. Uh, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. So they, they're, they come back and they're like, yeah, the land is great, but we're not going to go and take it. And he, I said to them uh, in 29, it says, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. Lord, your God, who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. Then you saw the Lord, your God carried you, by the way, highlight that word mm-hmm. as a father carries his son all the way you went until he reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord, your God who went ahead of you on your journey in 
in fire by night and in cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. So then God tells him that the people aren't going to be allowed in. And then take a look at verse 37. This is where I want to talk about Moses seeing things differently. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me and said, you shall not enter it either, but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he will lead Israel to inherit it. Now, a couple of issues here. That's actually not the place where God has that conversation with Moses, Mm -hmm. nor is that actually what God says to him. Like this is once again, Moses's recollection. And one of the things that I think the foreman points out that is really helpful is that Moses sees the division of leadership in some capacity where he says, I'm not capable of leading you eventually being the piece that actually leads him to not being able to lead the people and them not trusting God. Mm. Now, that is a super interesting thing. We're not going to get super deep into it, but I I've have watched Foreman's videos on it, and it actually is cr- pretty compelling. But regardless, that's not actually what God says, no. right? That is not what God says. Um, and this isn't even the, the place in the story where God says that. He doesn't say it after they don't go into the land or after they go up and try to fight the people after God says that you're not going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. It actually happens in an episode we actually talked about with water from a rock. Mm-hmm. Right. That's actually when God says, because you didn't recognize me as holy, you're not going to lead these people into the land. Mm-hmm. Joshua is going to lead the people. So that conversation does happen. And I, I think in, in some capacity, we talked about this, that Moses hears you're not going to lead the people as you're not going to go in. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I, I postulated, does he learn his lesson about um, being okay with what God is doing and supporting the next generation? Yeah, because God's thinking generationally. So then they, they're told to leave Moab, who are the descendants of Lot, alone. And then they also are told to leave the descendants of Esau, who is Jacob's Jacob's brother. Yeah, they said you need to leave them alone too. And what I love about this is it's just it's just confirmation of God keeping his promises. Mm-hmm. Because nothing about like Esau's, the Edomites, or the Moabites were particularly good people. Mm-hmm. But it was the promise of God. Mm-hmm. And that's really profound. Yeah. So and then uh, Israel, they go and then they engage in some of their first battles. Yep. Uh, defeating Shehan, the king of Heshbon. I love it when you say Hebrew names. Uh-huh. And this is, this is why you want me to do this part. Huh? Uh, and Og, the king of Bashan. Yeah. Ben's like, you butchered that horribly. And I'm like, I know, and I don't care. Well, something to note there is Israel actually isn't a particularly strong army. Mm-mm. Right? They are slaves. Right. They're newly freed. Right. Right? They do not have military might, prowess, or anything like that. What they do have is the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord is going before them. Yeah. When they're relying on the Lord, he, they are winning battles. Yeah. And when they are not, guess what? They don't win. Well, we have we have evidence of that mm-hmm. all throughout uh, their story so far. Mm-hmm. You have the Exodus itself where God yeah. says, walk through on the dry land, and then mm-hmm. he takes care of the entire Egyptian army. Yep. Then you have the Amalekites in the desert, and he says, you need to keep Moses' arms up. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with your physical ability. It's whether or not Moses' arms are up. Mm-hmm. Banner of heaven above you, right? Yeah. We talked about that. And, you know, uh, Balak was concerned about them mm-hmm. because they mowed over the Amorites. The Amorites were technologically advanced and they were kicking everybody's butt. And then they just mowed right over them, not because they're great, mm-hmm. once again, but because somebody else was great through them. Well, they were actually told to leave Egypt in a hurry. Yeah. So a lot of times when we read of these battles, we we picture two armies, like full battle gear, right? Yeah. Israelites probably weren't full battle gear. 
Yeah, it, it would actually be really strange if they had a bunch of weapons. Yeah. You know? So they they were probably looked more like farmers, peasants, people like that with rudimentary kind of low-tech weaponry. Yeah, I mean, I think it's reasonable mm-hmm. to think that in the year that they were at Sinai, they probably made some weapons. Yeah. And they've been wandering around for 40 years. So, yeah. so I mean, let's not pretend like that they, they accumulated some stuff, but it's not like a standardized... <clears throat> but it's also um, this is the next generation that is actually going, and this, these are their fights. Yeah. Like, you know, these are the first fights that they've had because the previous ones have been the yeah. other generation. Yeah, and so um, I find it particularly interesting here too. Like, I want to pause here because you and I talked about this, and I told you I was definitely going to bring it up in the podcast because part of the reason that sometimes people tune into us is because they want to hear what we have to say too. Mm-hmm. Right? I think verse twenty-one through the end of the chapter is very strange, and I'm going to read it to you. Chapter three. Yeah, chapter three, verse twenty-one. So they've just gone through and they just completely laid waste to those two kings, right? Mm-hmm. Then it picks up in verse 21. It says this, At that time I commanded Joshua, You have seen with your eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Very good. Mm-hmm. At that time I pleaded with the Lord, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah, And look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that that, that you will see. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a weird statement, right? Once again, here he says that because the Lord was angry with me because of you. So in Moses's mind, one way or the other, he links the fact that he's not going into the promised land to the people's disobedience. Mm-hmm. I've read numbers and I've read that story and I've read a lot of commentary on it. It seems to me that in this story, Moses has nobody to blame except himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? I think the primary blame is on Moses. I, I also don't think the Israelites get a pass on it. Um, because they were disobedient. Like the first generation was disobedient. Uh-huh. They they did rebel against God in a number of ways, uh-huh. um, ranging from golden calf to complaining about God's provision, so on and so forth. Um, but in the story of Numbers, it was 100% Moses uh-huh. who disobeyed. Right. And God said, your punishment is this. So do you think, and obviously this is, this is where we play what if. So uh-huh. please, people, please don't take this as uh, scripture. Right. We're making a statement here. Do you think then what we're dealing with here is Moses maybe missing what God has been trying to correct him on the whole time, which is that he still doesn't trust God? Uh, yeah. To yeah. a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Because once again, he's here. He's like, God, I've begun to see. We've begun to see what you can do. I was like, well, hold on a second, Moses. I, so I would push back a little bit. Yeah. I would say. I would say part of it is because Moses doesn't trust God easily. That's that, that's fair. Because he does come around to trusting God, but it's usually kicking and screaming. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and that well, kicking and screaming goes all the way back to Exodus when God's yeah. like, hey, burning bush, you're going to do this. And Moses gives four excuses. And yeah. his fifth one is like, 
anybody else. Just send someone else. Yeah. And God was like, no. Yeah. Well, and then, and that, like Moses says, okay, well, I've begun to see it. Okay. Well, first of all, you got your commission from a burning bush. Mm-hmm. You went in and saw 10 massive plagues. You saw the powerhouse of the entire region taken down by a bunch of water that you walked through on dry land. Mm-hmm. You got fed bread from the, from the heavens and random quail that show up that you're like, I don't know if you can make enough meat, God, you know, like you saw the spirit and separated over, over onto 72 people. Right. Yeah. Not, you, to, not to mention at night, there was a pillar of fire. Yeah. And then during the day, there was a pillar of cloud. Even to like a couple of weeks ago, there is a bronze serpent that if you look at, your snake bite won't kill you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so as, it's not like Moses hasn't seen things. So he says, well, we've begun to see. Why? Because you've seen two of the enemy kings wiped off the map? Like, that's that's your definition of God doing something? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if like he's just trying to butter God up or, or like what's going on here. But like, once again, in numbers, God doesn't say you can't go in. He says you can't lead. And he says that, uh, he, you know, he's talking to Joshua. He says, you know, don't be afraid. The Lord's going to fight these battles for you. And then immediately to God, he's like, can I go in, please? I want to go in now. Like, can I go in? I want to go in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, do not bring this up again. Mm-hmm. Joshua's going to lead them in. Give him control. Mm-hmm. And so once again, I'm wondering if there's this thing of like, Moses maybe just isn't ready to give up control. Maybe. I don't know. It, I don't know. Th- that's something for you guys to think about too. Um, we're not afraid of wrestling with the text. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like one thing to add on to that uh-huh. is Joshua, he was the one who was, when they saw the armies over there, he said, let's go. Yeah. Him and Caleb. Uh-huh. They're like, we got this. Let's go. Everyone else was like, they're too big. Yeah. They're too strong. They're too mighty. There's no way we can take them out. Right. Even though they've seen the works of the Lord. Yeah. Joshua was the one who's like, we got this. Right. Him and Caleb. And if we ever like just do literary characters, I'd love to track like Caleb because Caleb does so much stuff. Like mm-hmm. you, even into the book of Joshua that you're like, he's this old man. He's like, I'll go take the hill country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, but the point being yeah. is that when we have that attitude of, yeah. okay, we got this, let's go. God's with us. Yeah. Right. Then God's going to be like, okay, I'm going to build you up. When we have the attitude of Moses where we're like, eh, are you sure, God? Are you positive? And then, like, kicking and screaming. I, I, I was thinking about uh, something uh, Marty has talked about on his podcast before. Marty Solomon, Baymont Podcast, give him a plug again, where he says it's one thing when God gives you an instruction and, like, you're verifying that it's God before you go forward. Mm-hmm. But it's another one where, you, where God gives an instruction and you know it's God and you're like, well, prove that you can actually do this. Mm-hmm. Right? Like one of them is, I'm not going to go forward unless I know you're sending me. And one of them is, I'm not sure that you can handle this. Well, in Israel's cases, they knew who it was. Yeah. Like it was clear as day. Well, and so Joshua is the kind of leader. He says, oh, God says, go do this. Like, I guess we'll go do it. Because remember, this is also the guy who ends up leading them to uh, take Jericho Mm -hmm. with like the like worst battle plan ever. Mm Mm-hmm. In case anybody doesn't know, I'm going to tell you the battle plan of Jericho. Okay, so it's a, it's a city with like massive walls. So the battle plan that God has for them to go and take down Jericho is you're going to march around the city once a day with everybody, mm-hmm. with your worship team out front, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So you musicians on the front line once a day for six days, and on the seventh day you're going to do it seven times, and at the end of it you're just going to yeah. blow your trumpets and yell at the walls, and you're going to win. This is this is their battle strategy. 
And uh, now, of course, the the story is that the walls fall and that they go in and they take Jericho, right? But, but Joshua doesn't question that. He's just like, okay. And do you know who does fear these things? The enemies that see Israel coming. Yeah. Because they're hearing these stories. Now, I understand Jericho hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But they're hearing stories about the man on the hill who, when his arms were raised, they were losing the battle. When his arms fell down, they started winning. They heard the stories about those guys who just rolled over the uh, the Amorites. Mm-hmm. Like they're hearing these stories and they're like, okay, there's something about these guys. Yeah. Uh, so much so where you can go back to Balak and Balaam mm-hmm. where Balak's like, hey, Balaam, go curse them. Yeah. Unless they're cursed, there's no way I can stand against them. Right. Right. Um, and so they're hearing these stories and they're recognizing God's power. And Moses is still here like. Well, I've begun to see your power. Yeah. yeah. And and so that's that's mostly why I have questions. So if people are wondering like why I have questions, I was like, like you need to put this in context. Say some things out loud. Yeah. Right? Now I'm not saying that Moses didn't trust God. Like that is a far stretch from what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Moses is a human like us. There's a reason why there was a second Moses mm-hmm. in Jesus yeah. Christ. And that, that's why I was saying that. Yeah. I would argue that I would say Moses didn't trust easily. Yeah. And one of the things I think I want to stress really early on in Deuteronomy is I think the tendency, because I'm going to, I'm going to push back on some of these, these positions of Moses. The temptation is going to see me as uh, standing and not believing that Moses was a great man or that God did a ton of stuff through him. That is, couldn't be further from the truth. Moses was Fantastic. Fantastic person. In fact, the last story in Deuteronomy, we're going to be talking, uh, giving him his kudos and like giving him his swan song because Moses did a lot for the kingdom of God that we should all Gentiles and Jews alike be thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. But we also need to recognize what he got wrong Mm -hmm. so that we can understand how that's made right in Christ. Yeah. Right. So moving forward, though, you jump jump over to chapter four a little bit. The thing that strikes me that I just find really interesting is the next part is Moses urging Israel to obey. Yeah. And part of me wonders in this part where it's like, okay, is he urging them to obey because he recognizes where he disobeyed? I mean, that's a great, great question. Or is he urging them to obey just so that they are obeying? Well, and coming on the heels of this where he recognizes that he's now coming after God, trying to get something that he Mm -hmm. wants again, is he learning his lesson? Yeah. Perhaps. Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's definitely a piece that I, I... I'll have to sit with that. Yeah. 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 He, so he starts to prepare the next generation and he wants to remind them about the relationship with God and how to keep that intact. Mm-hmm. Right. So don't fall into the traps of idolatry. Mm-hmm. You know, retell the story of Sinai. Like what, this is where we fell into some traps. Um, how your God is different from all the other gods. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gets ready. He's going to explain the law to them again. And he's going to start with the 10 commandments. And, and then he's also going to talk through something called the Shema, which we're going to talk about next mm-hmm. week. Uh, that's actually the topic for next. We're going to be getting into the 10 words in chapter five and chapter six. If you want to look ahead, we're going to be talking about these 10 words again, because mm-hmm. there's a reiterating from Exodus, but then also he's going to step in and talk about something that the Jewish people would say day in, day out, which is the Shema. He's trying to say, you need to build your foundation on something specific. Yeah. And I, and I actually love that you pulled that out of chapter four because, you know, I think that's probably the right way to, for us to look at it is Moses is perhaps learning to trust. Mm-hmm. He may have failed, but he's learning to trust. But he can empower other people to trust. He's going to empower other people to trust, mm-hmm. which is a great conversation piece for us in general. Is like, you're like, oh, well, I've failed. Okay, but can you empower other people to succeed where you failed? Mm-hmm. I was, uh, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody about a uh, something happened in their life, and it was a pretty significant thing. So uh, I'm not going to get into details. And they were just talking about how it's really hard to share their story 
but it was an incredible story of how God like overcame like massive things in their life to like put them back together. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I can't really share this story because, you know, uh, if people knew, I was like, well, people should know because your testimony is your greatest weapon. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think sometimes we may be so concerned with our reputation that we forget that we're actually putting God's reputation on the line. Yeah. Right. We're retelling his story, not ours. Mm-hmm. This is the exact, we've mentioned this before, but it's the exact reason Paul's like, I'm not here to please you. Right. I'm here to please God. And, and well, and, and Paul didn't shy away from the fact that he murdered people. Yeah. Like yeah. he murdered people in zeal for who he believed for Adonai, mm-hmm. but he was actually opposing God. Yeah. And like, you don't think that his testimony made a difference? Mm-hmm. That's like a whole nother podcast there. Yeah. Uh, episode right there. Oh, it is. Um, put a pin on that. We might come back to yeah. that one, but this empowering people to succeed where you failed. Um, cause you and I have both been in ministry a while mm-hmm. and you failed. Mm-hmm. I failed. Right. And you, yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I have failed. I have failed uh, plenty, but we all failed. And part of building leadership up is putting, is building people up to succeed where we fail. Right. Right. Um, there's areas in my life in the ministries I've led where I failed horribly. Yeah. And it's been like my dad was saying a few weeks ago, it was like, right, God, pick up the pieces. You're better at putting this back together than I am. Right. Right. Um, letting God do that and then building people up to be like, Hey, you're going to step into this. And by the way, here's some pitfalls that I ran into. Right. Well, and, and part of mm-hmm. raising people to be kingdom people, mm-hmm. it's going to be messy if people start trying to live kingdom principles out. Yeah. And so as pastors, as teachers, as Christians, as small group leaders, as, you know, just interacting with our fellow believers, are you willing to in, engage the mess? Yeah. Because it's going to be messy, but it's also the only way to actually make real progress. Yeah. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, go about it. It's like, can you imagine if you have an entire church just like, well, we agree on everything. That's weird, right? It's weird it's that you cult. agree on it's yeah. If you agree <laughs> on everything, like you're probably a cult because there's not a whole lot of independent thought going on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say you don't have unity. Unity does not mean uniformity. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's say that again. Unity does not mean uniformity. Like that's really important yeah. because I think a lot of uh, a lot of damaging theology comes from that dogma, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it comes from this idea that you have to think like me in order to follow Jesus. No, you need to follow Jesus to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. and what he thinks is more important than we think. Yeah. There's actually a there was a great video, and I think I sent it to you about uh, this person who uh, was talking about church, and they're like, "Oh, why doesn't your church do you know blah blah blah?" And they're like. Well, we're a bunch of people who get together who think that, you know, the things that Jesus thinks is more important than the things that we think. And so we tend to try to figure out like what Jesus thinks about things and go and do that because, and he's like, well, what about like when people think blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, we tend to sing songs about Jesus who, and, and how his ideas are better than our ideas. And we like his ideas more than our ideas and how our ideas don't matter, but his really do. And, and they're like, so you're always welcome to be here, but like, that's why we're here. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're always welcome, like, but the reason we're coming together is because we think Jesus is more important than us, yeah. you know? Right. And, and like, you know, they're obviously being like slightly sarcastic, but like, it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why churches should be gathering because we actually believe that God's, God's ideas are better than ours. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine what the church looks like when we actually live like that? Yeah. Right. I'm going to say this next statement and I want to be very clear. Uh, you should be getting something out of going to church. Yeah. You should be. Okay. Uh, 
but church is not about you, Mm-mm. right? You are called to be a part of it. Uh, there's m- multiple places in the scripture where there's precedent for that, but it's not about you. It's about you coming together with the rest of the body, the rest of the family, okay, and giving praise to Jesus, glorifying him, and going and doing his work. Being empowered. Yeah. As as the church, mm-hmm. the, the ecclesia, the gathered ones, mm-hmm. the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, you're empowered by your gatherings because yeah. we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's it's completely appropriate to say that I I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, but we collectively, the church, are the place of the Holy Spirit. So I remember a conversation I had with a couple of people years and years ago, but um, there one person was talking about just like, oh well, church I'm going to is really difficult because I'm not getting anything out of it, and I was like, well, you should serve, then mm-hmm. you should find a way to serve in your church because there are people who are getting something out of it, and you are now in a spot to where then you could be a blessing to them. Right. And they're like, well, but I need to be fed. And I was like, but at some point feeding, being fed becomes your responsibility. I had a, I had a pastor and I'm going to, I'm going to tag him in here. Probably uh, Aaron couch made, made the statement. He, uh, he teaches at a church in Colorado now. Um, but he made a comment about people when they go to church, they say, well, I, I just not getting fed. I'm not getting fed. I'm not getting fed. And I, I think we've talked about, I talked about this earlier on the podcast, but he, he says, you know what happens when you eat and eat and eat and eat and you never go? Mm-hmm. So it's called constipation and you can die from it. Mm-hmm. It's like some of you in here are spiritually constipated because you've been eating and eating and eating and you've never shared a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And like to your point, you're like, oh, I'm not getting anything out of this. I was like, well, when's the last time you gave something? Mm-hmm. Like we are meant to be conduits yeah. of God's mercy. Yeah. Right. It's supposed to flow through us from heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love about, like, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're actually supposed to be bringing the Spirit wherever we go and, like, bringing God's presence wherever we go and constantly being filled. Yeah. It's a renewing of our mind and our heart. Yeah. And this idea ties right back into the end of what we're talking mm-hmm. about, where Moses is starting to build the people up to go into the land. Right. To where he's saying, okay, you've seen all these things, you've experienced God in all these ways, now it is your turn. Yeah. To step up, to go into his land, these are going to be your battles. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Like this, this is, this is, uh, so hopefully today you got a good handle on Deuteronomy and like how this book is structured and really where we're coming from. It's a different kind of piece of literature. You can't read it the same as you can read Exodus. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to try to pull these apart. We're actually going to have a number of guests throughout Deuteronomy. We're actually going to probably just have more guests in general. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have somebody you'd like to see us bring on and talk with, like shoot us an email, mm-hmm. you know, comment on one of our uh, posts. And we'll, uh, we'll see if we can't get them on here. We're always looking for people to come and join the conversation mm-hmm. because more Christians, more believers need to have authentic, real conversations about love and context. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find us, you can find us on the TikTok. You can find us on the Instagram. You can find us on the Facebook. You can find us at gmail.com, love and context at gmail.com. The YouTube. YouTube. YouTube is, uh, if you are looking at us now, that's where you're looking at us from. Mm-hmm. Um, unless this is, of course, a clip that if I put you're on. Listening to us, and you're like, "Man, what?" They keep saying they're ugly, and what do they look like? You can go find us on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that if that's the case. Like first video, maybe just squint as you look at the video the first time. If you wear glasses, just take them off. Yeah, uh, you're gonna be like, "Oh man, those blobs are making some real good points." <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we're so glad you guys are being here, and as long as you guys are getting something out of it, we're gonna keep recording and putting it out there. Yep. So, uh, take care and. Uh, 
Until next time. Until next time. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. If you've um, been with us the last 35, 34, <laughs> if you've been with us the last, hold on a second. Here's your dads, right? Balak and Balaam, mm-hmm. ending numbers. That would be 30. And so this would be 35. This would be 35. Yeah. Okay. If you've been with us the last 35 episodes, yeah. you know that we've been in Torah mm-hmm. and uh, dang it. No, this is number 35.